Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning. Pastor TJ and the family are away at Robin's mom's memorial service, and they're taking some very needed time off, so I'm here. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Trish, and I haven't been here. Aw, thanks. I'm at the daughter, well, it used to be um, New City planted Trinity, and then Mama got sick, so now Trinity is really helping bring her back to life. We are mentoring them, we are supporting them. Trinity has been just so absolutely wonderful, and they sent me there on assignment, so that's where I have been. I'm there three weeks, and I'm here one week, and this is the week that I am here, and it's so nice to see all of you. I even got to see new babies that I hadn't met, and it's just pretty amazing. So welcome all. This is the church. Can you show them the church? This is New City. I'm just going to give you a little bit of an update as to what I'm doing. This is the church right there, isn't it? A great church. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it's coming up. The church. (laughs) There it is. It's a, little, uh, it's a little rusty, it's got, it's, it was built in 1962. It's got really good bones, but it's got a roof that's leaking, it's got a parking lot that's cracked, it's got a lot of things that needs work on, and um, I'm there to bring it back to life and to lead the people as we bring it back to life. And Trinity has been absolutely supportive. Uh, if you see the parking lot, it's uh, in need of some repair, but that was the first thing that I saw. The first thing I saw when I got there were the cracks in the parking lot, and God was showing me that those cracks represented what needed to take place, that he, the cracked foundation, he was going to repair it, and he was going to make it stronger than it's ever been before. So that to me is a prophetic picture of, of what it is right now, but it's going to become absolutely amazing with a strong foundation. So the, uh, the second thing that I saw when I got there, I hadn't been there in years and years, was the garage. In the garage, the door was on the side, they had vines and trees everywhere, and I, my three amigos, for those of you that don't know Spanish, it means friends, my three amigos, Mike Borsello, Bill Secker, and Paul Birch went over and fixed it, and here's the before and the after. We still need to paint it a little bit, but yeah. My desire was that it would get done by uh, the egg hunt, and guess what? They went over there, and, um, and they, they did that job, just blessed us like crazy. So God is sending people to bless us. God is sending people to help us because it's his church and it's his work. And we are just so glad to be able to experience Uh, and be able to see the power of God and the the hand of God in all of it, how people just randomly will call and say, is there something I can do for you? Randomly send checks, just randomly support because it's God's church. Amen? And um, something to start before I get started, um, something to bring you a little bit of joy. It's what brings me joy all the time, and that is my beautiful grandkids. So say hi to my grandkids. One of them is here today. Hi, Cruz. Yeah, they're so there. So the title of my message today is Walking in the Spirit, the Power of Resurrection. Spring is such a beautiful, wonderful time when we just feel it's like you can, almost like you can breathe, you can breathe freshness, you can breathe life. It's just such a powerful, wonderful time. It's, it's almost like 
winter was so hard and now spring brings back life. I think it starts with Resurrection Sunday, with Easter Sunday. Something so powerful happens on Easter Sunday. And it's just kind of, we're still feeling the after effects. And then Mother's Day comes and then Father's Day comes. And then we kind of tend to forget a little bit about Resurrection Sunday. Well, I'm here to remind you not to forget about Resurrection Sunday. Because Resurrection Sunday, guess what comes with it? Resurrection power. Resurrection power the power that anoints us to do what we need to do. There's something so magnificent about standing in church on Easter Sunday morning. How many of you were so blessed on Easter Sunday morning? That was just two weeks ago, you know? Something so powerful declaring that he is risen, that the battle is won, that the enemy thought he had won. The enemy went to kill Jesus, and he thought he won. On Friday, he was just rejoicing because he thought he won, and, and, and Jesus was like... You made it possible. The very reason that Jesus came to earth was to die. And so that's what the enemy did, and he thought he won. And, um, and so Easter Sunday comes, and we're reminded of that resurrection power. We're reminded of what Jesus came to do here on earth. It's just so something so spiritually therapeutic about the hope that is released from the cross. It was Friday, but Sunday is coming. Something so vindicating about declaring victory over those things that were dead and are now gone, over the things that were nailed to the cross, over the areas where we saw defeat, but now we know we can declare victory. The realization, the realization of the supernatural release of, super, of resurrection power. I told my congregation, okay, when, when things start getting tough, uh, in the congregation at New City. So when things start getting tough, and looks like God's not listening, even when, it, it, what, what is the word? Even when I don't see that you're working, you never stop. Just tell them, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday, it looks gloomy. It looks like the enemy won, but Sunday is coming. And you know what comes with Sunday? Resurrection power. That's what comes with Sunday. So I always told them, just look, just look. It's Friday, but, but, but Sunday is coming. So that was two weeks ago, of course. And then Monday comes. So what happens on Monday? What happens? Something so powerful about when you came and you dropped the stone over here, representing the stony dead things in your life, and you walked across here and picked up a heart on the other side, a clear crystal heart. There's something so powerful about that, something so symbolic that the things that we thought were dead are coming to life. That is so symbolic, and I want you to just keep that. Keep that resurrection power in mind. Keep that resurrection power uh, alive, because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And where's Jesus? In us. So do we have resurrection power? I want to hear a big yes. Yes, yes. But then Monday comes and the enemy is back casting doubt. I don't know how many of you experienced that over Easter when you did that symbolic thing and you felt his presence and you felt his power. Then the enemy was back on Monday casting doubt, casting fear, anxiety, unbelief, and then it just started to go back to the way it was before. But we have to keep declaring, it's Friday, Sunday's coming. Actually, Sunday came. 
resurrection was released and we walk by his spirit. We walk by his spirit. That is how God wanted us. He sent his spirit so that we could walk by his spirit, casting all fear, casting all doubt, casting all unbelief that Friday brought, declaring the resurrection of Sunday morning. We have to make a choice to believe. When things are looking bad, when it seems like he's not working or he thinks that maybe he changed his mind, the victory that we get on Sunday, on Monday, we have to remind the enemy we have to remember that we're standing on his word, that we're standing on his promise, that we're walking by his spirit. It is not by, it is not by sight, it's by faith. We have to remind the enemy of that. When I was a student pastor, a youth pastor, my kids, we would have youth on Wednesdays and the kids would say, oh, Wednesdays are so powerful. Thursday I'm doing good, but then Friday comes and boy, I, I just missed the mark. And then Thursday, I, I just am feeling really guilty. I come back on Sunday, all of a sudden, I feel so good again, and then Monday comes, and I'm back, and it was just like a cycle. It was like a cycle, and that's exactly how the enemy wants us to live. But God wants us to live being led by his spirit, being going up to higher measures, be allowing Holy Spirit to come and do a work in our lives, declaring that resurrection is still here and resurrection is alive in us. That's how God wants us to live. Amen? Resurrection is in us. In Luke 24, we read the events about what took place after Jesus died. Um, he died on Friday. On Sunday, he was resurrected. So the women that some people call the Spice Girls, they came with spice, spices. They were ready to prepare the body for his eternal burial. They were there to anoint the body, prepare it with spices, and they come to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. The stone had been rolled away, and they see an angel sitting on the stone. And they said, what happened to the body? What happened? What did they do with my Savior? And the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And that resonated with me. Why do we look for dead things among our resurrected life? We have a resurrected life. We don't need to go back to the dead things in our life. We don't need to go back to the things that we struggle with. We don't need to go back to the suffering, to the things that are inside of us. But sometimes we find ourselves stuck. We focus on the dead things instead of the things that are resurrected. We focus on the negative instead of the positive. We engage in things that bring us down. We associate with people that really don't help us at all. We watch things that we shouldn't watch. We hear things that we shouldn't hear. Now, I used to, I love, uh, when, I, when I do get to watch television, I like crime shows because I used to want to be a coroner that wanted to see the bodies and find out the criminal stuff. So I watched stuff like that. And for the longest time, I... I couldn't sleep. And I realized the last time that I couldn't sleep was the last time that I saw a crime show. Because my, my mind is thinking on dead things, right? Thinking about all those dead things. Since I stopped watching those things, my sleeping is so much better. We have to not associate with the dead things and the things that do not bring us life. Sometimes we become so comfortable in our hurt we become so comfortable in our faults. 
we become so comfortable in our failures, we scream on the inside, and we don't vocalize it to anybody, anybody for fear that they're going to think less of us. And we just hold it all in because you've had it in there for so long and you don't let it out. But I'm here to tell you that you were not meant to carry those burdens, that those burdens were carried on the cross. I'm here to tell you that that anxiety, that that depression, that that brokenness, that the hurt, the the things that are bringing you down were not meant for you to carry. They were not meant for you to have on the inside. They were meant to give over. Jesus took him to the cross. And resurrection is alive in us. And we need to use that resurrection power to cast down fear, to cast down anxiety, to cast down the things that bring us down so that we can trust and walk by his spirit. Amen? Limit your interactions with people that bring you down. And don't pick up somebody else's battles. When someone comes to you and tells me so-and-so hurt me, then you get mad at that person. You're fighting their battle. When in reality, you take it to the Lord and call on his spirit and call on the resurrected power. Some friends we have to stay away from for a season just until you can get healed. Did you know that Jesus spent 40 days after the resurrection with his disciples. Did you know that he walked with them and he taught them and he discipled them and he prepared them for the work that was ahead? He prepared them for a life of walking in the spirit. He could have resurrected. The day that he resurrected, he could have gone up to be with the father. But he chose to remain for 40 days so that he could disciple them, so that he could prepare them for what was up ahead, so that they could learn to depend on Holy Spirit, so that they could learn to depend on that resurrected power. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send somebody that's greater. So here are the accounts of Jesus' last statements. What do you tell your kids or your spouse or your mom or your dad before you leave? Don't forget. Turn the lights off. Don't forget. Feed the dogs. Don't forget. Don't leave this on. Don't we do that? Let's take, let's take into account the things that Jesus said uh, before he left, before he, he ascended to the Father. Before, before I do that, I want to let you know that the Bible was written in a period of around 1,600 years, and there was 40 people, 40 men that God inspired to write the Bible. Supernaturally, from Genesis to Revelation, over a period of 1,600 years, God inspired holy men to write the Bible. He gave them the truths and the words to write. And somehow, over the period of 1,600 years, it all fell together. And it doesn't contradict each other. And it all goes together. The Old Testament confirms the New Testament. The New Testament confirms the Old Testament. It all works together because that's how God is. He inspired 40 men to write the Bible. And he prepared them for the work that was ahead. There were four Gospels. And sometimes have you noticed that the Gospels are a little different? They say the same story in a different way. Let me tell you my perspective on that. I'm standing here and we're all in the same room, right? I'm standing here, and I have a different view from the sound people to hear. They have a different view, and they have a different view. We're all in the same room. The accounts are still happening, but we have different perspectives. And that's why the Bibles are slightly different, because there's just different perspectives, and they were written for different people. So let's see the last things that Jesus did before his uh, uh, ascension. Matthew 28, 16. 
But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they saw him resurrected. They worshipped him. And then this is the part that just really, really deals me. But some were doubtful. They saw him resurrected, but some were doubtful. Isn't that just like us sometimes? Where it goes back to what the, what, uh, the enemy did to Eve. Did God really say that? Is it really in the word? He cast doubt. Some were doubtful. He shook the earth on Friday. He broke stones. Tombs were open. The earth was dark for three hours. He, three days later, he shook the earth again. Tombs were open. Other people that were in the graves near him resurrected and were walking around town saying that they were resurrected as well. Did you know that? Tombs were open. People came out of the tombs. He came out of the tomb. And people were still doubtful. I, sometimes I get there too. How are we different? Verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you, and I am with you always, even until the end of age. In other words, Teach them what I have just taught you. Now go. And those words are still the same today. God wants you to go. God wants you to take the things that he has taught us, and he wants us to proclaim the gospel. He wants us to declare to people that there is hope. He wants us to go to the anxious person and tell them there is peace. He wants us to go to those that are downcast and give them hope. He still wants us. That message is still resonating today. He wants to use us. Mark 16, 15 through 20 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Oh, and this is what I love. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name... They will pick up serpents and deadly, drink any deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How many of us want to lay hands on the sick, but sometimes they don't recover? But it says here that if you believe, that if you believe in the name of the Lord, you will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It's for us to receive. Is it just for Pastor Trish, Pastor TJ? For, for the worship band? No. For those who believe. That means you and that means me. So when the Lord had spoken to them, he was received unto heaven. And he sat at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked in them. And he confirmed his word by the signs that followed the disciples. Let us confirm his word. Let us confirm his purpose for our lives by the signs that follow us. So how do we reach the unreachable? 
How do we reach the ones that have clouded judgment? How do we reach the ones that don't believe there is a God? How do we reach the ones that don't believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that are Muslim, that are, that are Buddhist? How do we reach them? When you can't reach them with your words, when you can't reach them with your testimony, guess what? You can reach them by signs and wonder. You can pray for someone in their family that's sick. You can pray for their finances. You can pray for something that's bothering them. And these signs will accompany those that believe. And they will believe by the signs and wonders. We were created. We were created by him so that signs and wonders could follow us. We are his hands and feet on earth. Amen? Now he said to them in Luke 24, these are my words which I spoke to you while, you are, were, while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus was saying, I already told you. I told you I was going to die. I told you I was going to resurrect. And he was reminding them again. And verse 45 says, and he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Oh, God, that you would open our minds so that we could understand your scripture. Just pause for a minute. Father, I pray that you would open our minds, that you would open our spiritual ears, our spiritual hearts, that we would be able to understand the scriptures, Father, the way you meant them, Father, that we could get revelation knowledge in the word, Father, and that through that word, we would be able, Father, to better serve you and understand you. Open our minds that we will understand the scriptures. So this is why he remained. This is why he didn't ascend right away. This is why he stayed. To equip them. To prepare them. To empower them for the work of the ministry. He knew ahead of time what they would face. He knew what they needed and he prepared them. You know when Friday happened... They should have said, oh, we can't wait to Sunday because our Lord is going to be resurrected. But instead, they were taken by surprise. They didn't know. Sometimes we are taken by surprise by life, and we didn't know it was coming, and it hits us like a rock. And that's how they were feeling that day. Jesus walked and talked with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection. How do I know that? Acts 1, this is Luke telling Theophilus, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. See, Jesus can be so powerful even when he's eating. He was eating with them. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. 
but you will receive power. The word power there in the Greek means dunamis. Dunamis is the same word where dynamite comes from. So you will receive dynamite power. You will receive miraculous power. You will receive force power, the power that can break down buildings. You will receive the type of power that can resurrect things. You will receive the type of power that will break down the things that are hovering over you, that will break down the things that are trying to destroy you. You will receive that power so that you can go to your neighbor when they're hopeless and you can pray for them. And you can raise the sick from the dead. You can pray for the sick, they will recover. Friends, we were made for so much more. We weren't made to be average. We weren't made to just sit in a pew. We weren't made to sit at home. We were made to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were meant to deliver the Word of God, to deliver hope. We weren't meant to sit and do nothing. Amen? So back to Mark, back to Mark, such a great scripture, these signs, this is what I do, friends, if you want to know what I do, this is what I do, I have to tell myself, these signs will accompany me, because I have believed in his name, I will cast out demons. In his name, I will speak with new tongues. In his names, I can pick up deadly uh, serpents and drink de deadly poison, and it will not hurt me at all. In his name, I will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. In his name, because I have believed in the power of his name. I have believed in the resurrection power of his name. So then when the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. These are the same disciples that were scared. These are the same disciples that were paranoid. These are the same disciples that didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do on Friday. They didn't know what they were going to do. Their Savior had been taken. It wasn't what they expected. These are the same disciples after 40 days after being filled with the Holy Spirit, these are the same disciples that preached everywhere while the Lord worked in them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed them. The same disciples. The same one that denied him. We are living at a time where the gospel has been deconstructed, where it is no longer held a value. We are living at a time where Christianity is not looked upon as something to strive for or something to be admired. But you know what can really open their eyes? You know what can really cause them to believe? Signs and wonders. Offering to go pray for the mother of that person that doesn't believe in God. Offering to go pray for the mother of that Muslim person that doesn't think that Jesus is a savior. Offering to go pray for them and you lay hands on them and they recover. You think that's going to open their minds? <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. And at the same time, I say, no, Lord, don't pick me. Pick them. Because, I, you know, you, you kind of start to doubt. But no, I have to remind myself. These signs will accompany me because I believe in his name. So who, who is this promise for? For all who believe in his name. We do it by the power of his name, by the resurrected power of his name. So what 
do we have to do to get that same power? Let's turn to Ephesians 1, 19 through 24. I also pray that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. The incomparably great power to those who believe. Do you believe? Yeah, right? You believe. You hang out with others that believe. Guess what happens to your faith? It increases. It stirs up, and you stir theirs up. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So who are we talking about? So let me tell you this. He rises up to the throne, sits at the right hand of the Father. So it's not just, if, if you think that's great, there's more. The Bible says it, that he makes his enemies his footstools. His footstool. Okay, so verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He appointed, he appointed God placed all things, all things under his feet. He placed the enemy under our feet feet. He is our footstool. So why do we allow him to talk in our brain? Why do we allow him to cast out? Why do we allow those things that don't belong there to be up here when they should be under our feet? They are our footstool. We are seated up with Heavenly Father, joint heirs with Jesus at his right hand, with everything under our feet. It's time to step up and recognize where our standing with God is. Our bodies are here, but our spirits are up with him in heavenly places with all power, all authority, all dominion, and all those things under our feet. Ephesians 4.2 says, But because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And this, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Okay, so now what? Now I told you. He has empowered us with the same power. He has seated himself at the right hand of the Father, and we're right there with him. Friends, we are called to go and make disciples. You are called to reach to someone. I was talking to our artist, Gabby. She says every year, she starts off with 30 days of witnessing, and she says in all her years, only one person has come to the Lord, but it was worth it for that one person. Because that one person is a person that God died for. God needs you. It is a hopeless, dying world out there. And he needs us. His last statements to us was that we were supposed to go save the lost and make disciples out of them. Empowering us by his spirit to save the lost. 
his last statements was to wait for the promise that would give us the ability and the strength to do that. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What is meant by walking in the Spirit? Number one, as per, one act, uh, as per Acts 1.8, it helps you to witness. Don't worry about if they're going to reject you. Don't worry about, should I go? Should I not go? He will give you the power to witness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That just doesn't mean that we're witnessing. That means that you testify of God, that you testify of what God can do, that you testify of the joy that you're carrying, of the peace that you're carrying. You could be a witness to that. You could say, God delivered me. God delivered this person. I am a witness to that. I have seen it firsthand, and it is for you too. Number two, his role is to help you and to teach you. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He will bring things to your remembrance. That's why when I was a kid's pastor, I strived and I strived to teach kids the word. I, they, they would recite it. They would compete with it. It was called Junior Bible Quiz and they, because I wanted it to just blurt out. And one day when they needed it, it was going to come out because Holy Spirit will bring it back to their remembrance. So I had this student named Andy. Andy was just absolutely wonderful. He was like about a fourth grader. And he was spiritual, and he was very, very smart. And one day he comes to, to kids' church in front of all the other kids, like 60 kids, and he says, Pastor Trish, I did what you told me to do. Um, you said that the Holy Spirit will bring it to my remembrance. And I had a really important test. And I sat there, and you told me that if I ever needed his help, that I should just bow and pray and ask him to bring things to my remembrance. And I'm sitting there taking a test, and I asked him to bring things to my remembrance so I could do well on the test, and I failed it. And I was like, so that scripture did not work for me, Pastor Trish. And I'm sitting there in front of all these impressionable kids, right? What am I going to say? And I go, wait a minute. Andy, did you study? He goes, oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> he goes, no, I didn't study. I said, you have, in order for him to bring it to your remembrance, it has to be in there to begin with, right? So he will take, not to say that he can't deposit a word in your spirit, but he will bring things to your remembrance. So many times as I've gotten older, you know, all these 40 years of mine, you know, that, that I've gotten older, I just sometimes, I can't, I, my mind is blank. It just goes, like, I just gets like, like, the, like the, dry, the eraser thing. It, should, it just goes blank. And then I just bow my head and I said, Holy Spirit, please bring things to my remembrance. And he does. He does. Not as quickly as I would want it, but he does. Number three is he will guide you into all truth. When you don't know what to do, when you are seeking his will, when you're deciding should I buy house number A or house B, should I take job one or job two? He will guide you into all truth. Not only will he guide you into all truth, he will disclose things that are, are to come. Like Alex said earlier, a new thing, before they spring forth, you will know about him. John 16, 13 says, but when he, not it, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, 
but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. He will tell you things before they happen. He will glorify me, for he will take what's mine and disclose it to you. There have been times when Holy Spirit, through a dream, has shown me what has come. There was a situation in my life where some people had come against me, and it was over false information, and it was very painful. And there was an event where I had to see them. I was going to face them. And uh, I, I knew that these people were my friends, so I knew that they wouldn't stab me in the back, right? But I had a dream, and in that dream, they had turned against me. So I get to the event, and I see them, and the exact same thing that happened in the dream, they did. They had turned against me. But you know what? Because the Holy Spirit had disclosed it to me ahead of time, it was easier to bear. He's there to do that for you. When I go to bed at night, I just say, Father, as I'm laying here, because I don't like to waste time, as I'm laying here, don't let me just sleep. Speak to me. Speak to me through dreams. Teach me. Show me things that I forgot. Sometimes he shows me things I need to, uh, people I need to ask to forgive me. One time when I was in the middle of this major event, I was coordinating. I was so busy. My kids were in school. My husband was traveling. And there was a tiny thing that would have created such havoc that I had forgotten. And in my dream, the Holy Spirit disclosed to me, you need to take care of this matter. And I woke up the next day. I don't know what would have happened had he not disclosed that to you, to me. He's there to disclose things to you. You know those bright ideas that you thought you had? You weren't that bright. It was the Holy Spirit. Trust me, it took me about 50 years to figure that one out. I thought I was so brilliant. Then I realized it was him who was teaching me and showing me and disclosing things that were to come, making life easier for me. Had he not shown me ahead of time, it would have been so painful. But he disclosed it to me. John 16, uh, the same one that I just told you, let me, let me tell you what it says in the Passion Translation. But when this truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Maybe Andy should have asked the Holy Spirit to reveal something to him prophetically, right? He will glorify me on earth, for he will receive from me what is mine, and he will reveal it to you. He is there to reveal things to us. We don't need to go around wondering, what would the Lord do? What do I do now? I don't know what to do. Sometimes when we're running around like this, maybe we should just be still and know that he is God and let him speak to us and disclose and reveal things because he wants to reveal them for you. Number four, he enables you to speak in tongues. Acts 2.4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The disciples went around asking people, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And you might be saying, but, but Pastor Trish, tongues are of the devil. You've heard that before, right? The tongues are of the devil. Well, I, I just want you to know this. Do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be anointed? 
you need the tongues to help you get there. You know what happens when I pray in tongues? It empowers me. It gives me wisdom. It brings revelation. It stirs up an anointing within me. Then I am able to pray for the sick, raise the dead, and, and cast out demons because of that spirit that's within me. It's God's spirit stirring it up. Let me tell you a little bit about something. Do you think the devil wants you to pray in tongues? Mm -mm. That's why he developed a theology that tongues are wrong. Let me tell you what happened to Peter. Peter was one of his closest apostles. Before Jesus was crucified, he denied Jesus three times. Peter loved Jesus. Peter declared that he would never betray him. Peter never wanted to betray him, but when he was confronted, something came up over him, and he did not have the strength, the proper strength, to stand up and, and for Jesus. He was bound with fear, with anxiety, not knowing what the future was. So Peter, without thinking, just denied him. But did you know that after the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he risked his life, he was put in prison, and he was martyred for Jesus, and he did it all gladly because the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, gave him the power, gave him the ability to be able to do that, and he can do that with you too. If you are going through life and you love the Lord with all your heart and you're trying so hard to serve him, you're trying so hard to break this habit, you're trying so hard to get up there in life, you're trying so hard, but it just seems to be coming short and you love Jesus with all your heart, what you need could be Holy Spirit to come and fill you to overflowing. Not just fill you in like he does when you get saved, but to overflow with his anointing and his power, his resurrected power. Do you still think it's of the devil? Number five, it helps you, it empowers you to destroy the works of the devil. It gives you revelation. And when you pray for people, you know exactly what to pray for them. You know exactly what they're bound. They're telling you it's anxiety, but the Holy Spirit will reveal to you that it's a little bit more. He helps you to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. For this reason, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. I can stand here and I can get a revelation of somebody that's sick and it will be so on. And it's because of the power of Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, it edifies you. It gives you power. It gives you discernment. It builds up your faith like Jude says. It stirs up your most holy faith and it empowers you to do the work that God wants you to do. So if you're struggling and you've had the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you want an extra touch, we're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray for you that you would walk by His Spirit, not by your own strength, not by the flesh, not by what others are doing, but you would walk in His Spirit and by His Spirit. Matthew 10 says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. So now you may ask, Pastor Trish, can we do all those, all those things without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Charles Stanley was a very powerful man. Amen? And he was not baptized in the Holy Spirit that we know of. His, his denomination didn't allow that. We can do it. 
I used to have this little um, power tool, and um, it was about like this. It was battery operated. And whenever I need, it was a, a screwdriver, power screwdriver. And I would try to unscrew, and sometimes it would go bzz, bzz, and it would die. And then I would have to start it again and keep doing it and keep doing it until I was able to get enough power to, uh, to do it. Sometimes I'd have to get the manual screwdriver and do that. One day, my dad came over to visit me. He used to carry it in his pocket. And when he would go down the stairs, he'd see screws and he'd go, he would just be screwing everything in my house, right? Low things, low things. But one time I was struggling, and I was struggling with that power tool, and it would just kind of do that, like it wanted to give me power, but it couldn't. And, and Derek says, let me take care of it. He brought this big drill, this screwdriver, electric screwdriver, and he went, took care of it like that. What was taking me minutes and minutes and minutes took him seconds to do. My neighbor has a pretty big lawn, and he uses a manual lawnmower like that. My, my friend from Jamaica, Zoltan, my, one of my kids was complaining one time that they had to mow the lawn. He says, let me tell you how you mow the lawn in Jamaica. You get a stick, a little stick. You put it right here in front of your calf, and you get a machete, and you go, and you put the stick there, or you cut your leg off. He goes, that's how, how they do it in Jamaica. He goes, it takes forever. But you get it done. He said, so don't complain that you, have to, that, that you have to cut grass with a mower here in America, right? So that's, can you do it? Yeah, you can do it. But why would you want to live without power when so much of it is available to you, right? Acts 2.39. Who is this promise for? The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for those whom the Lord your God will call. So how do I get this power? Remember, it's a gift, and it's a promise to everybody. And you have to receive it, and you have to open it. I still have a couple of presents from Christmas that I haven't opened. Derek has this drawer, and we call it his gift drawer. His gift drawer. And he puts all his gift cards and gifts in there. And then when uh, Easter comes, I grab some of those gift cards and put them in his little basket. When Christmas comes, I get those cards and I put them in his stocking because he never uses them. I keep re-gifting them, and he never, he never knows that I did that because he never uses his gift cards, right? You have to open the gift. The gift is for you. It was given to you to open. I can't go to New City and cast vision without the power of his Holy Spirit. We can't do what has been done here at this church without the power of Holy Spirit. We need that power in our everyday lives. And friends, there are people out there that need this hope. And I want to empower you to do that. I'm going to ask Grace to come forward. And as she comes forward, I'm going to ask the prayer team to also come forward. We're going to do three things. One, if you've never asked Jesus to come in your heart, today is your day. Don't put it off. He wants to fill you with his power, with his love, with his grace. Two, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is your day. Don't hold back. And if you one time was filled, but you need an extra dose today, today is also your day. Like the price is right here, right? And if you just want to come to just get a little bit extra, if you want to come for any other thing, come over on this side. 
We need some prayer team members on this side. And if you just want to come and just receive more of God, just gather here in the middle. We don't have another service after this. We can just, just dwell a little bit in His presence. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.